Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. Riverbend Church, so glad that you are tuning in today on this 4th of July weekend. I hope that you and your family are enjoying these hot summer days and celebrating the weekend together. Now, we would usually be gathering in the building on Sunday here. Uh, We're not today because we're celebrating the 4th weekend, but we're also off today to celebrate uh, all of our volunteers and say thank you. Every week, there are volunteers all over this campus that serve. Uh, There are those that serve, you know, in River Kids. Some of the most amazing people in the world are those that pour Jesus into our River Kids every single week, uh, from our little babies all the way up to our, our fifth graders. And so we say, uh, we, we love you guys. Thank you so much for serving so faithfully. And I hope that you enjoy this week as we get ready to jump back in next week. But there are people that serve in our parking lot. There are people that serve through Project Hope on a weekly basis all over this campus to make sure that your kids are checked in and that coffee is served and donuts are ready. And so we're giving you the day off today, but I want you to know, like, I am grateful. I, I'm always sitting in here usually teaching on Sunday when you guys are serving and working. You don't get to hear enough from us often enough, uh, but we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for serving. So many of you attend one service and then serve another, and so I just say thank you guys so much. And so next week, we will be back on campus, and we're kicking off a brand new series called Anchor for My Soul. And so here's one thing for sure in life. We will all go through storms in our health, in our marriage, in our finances. If you're raising kids, then that may be your life right now. You go, I'm always in a storm, it feels like. But on top of what's going on in our lives personally, there's this political pressure. uh, There's social violence that's causing people's anxiety to erupt. And so you can say that we're in a storm in a lot of ways in life. And so in this book called Hebrews, that Anchor for My Soul walks us through, we're we're given one of the greatest truths in all of Scripture, and it's this. Jesus offers us an anchor for our soul. While the wind and the storm may rage around us in our world, inside he wants to give us peace and stability and courage and steadfastness. And so I hope that you'll join us as we dive into this series. And I'm going to really encourage you uh, to bring a Bible with you, a, a hard copy if possible, because I want you to walk through God's Word with me together. We're actually going to be selling some Bibles here on campus, and so you can pick one up if you'd like a new one that kind of goes along with uh, uh, with the one that I'm reading uh, from every single Sunday. So you can grab one of those next Sunday in the lobby. But it is 4th of July weekend, and there's a a thought that's connected with what we celebrate this weekend. And here's the thought, freedom. There's freedom celebrations going on all over because we celebrate our freedom as a nation. Also, we celebrate our freedom and rights as citizens. One guy I heard recently, he said, he said it like this, what a divine blessing to live in the freest nation on earth. And I don't agree with that. I don't disagree with that statement. We are blessed. I love my country. I love my state and my city. But as a guy who's wrestled for my whole life in really living free, free to be me, free from the grip of insecurity and what others think, sometimes when I hear that I live in the freest nation on earth, the inside I go, yeah, but not me. I wrestle so much. I have so many things, my own internal demons and the brokenness from my past, I wrestle with it. And so also not only do I know personally or do I wrestle with that as a pastor, 
I get to walk with so many others who are going through a dark time in life or wrestling with an addiction or loss or pain. And so the question that comes up in my mind when I hear about freedom is this. If we really live in the freest nation on earth, why does it seem that so many people still live in bondage? Why do we still have depression and suicide? Why do we still seem to get attacked on every side? As I've wrestled and I studied and I prayed, here's the answer that I feel like the Holy Spirit led me to. The reason that we live in a free nation, but yet so many people live in bondage is because we have defined freedom incorrectly. We've defined the path to freedom incorrectly. Maybe we've been deceived. Maybe we just don't want to know sometimes. But see, here's the common thought when it comes to freedom. And it's this, freedom is found through following the desires of my heart. So the logic behind this thought is this, as I feel, so I am. If I can just do what I desire, what's deep in my heart, if I can just follow that desire, then I'll be free. Then I'll have joy in my life. But think about the logic of that. See, for, for, for some people, following the desire that's in their heart is like, hey, I want to write a book. And not necessarily bad, right, if that's the desire of your heart. Or for others, it may be, you know, the desire of my heart is to have a family. And so the logic works pretty well. I can follow the desires of my heart, and I can live in freedom. But what about other people who have said that they are led or that that they felt like, you know, freedom for them was to murder someone else or to harm someone else's kids or family or to commit acts of terror in our schools and places of worship? to inflict pain in the lives of others because that's what made them feel free. That's what the desires of their heart were. See, there has to be something more to this principle or this concept because this freedom of following the desires of your heart, it usually comes at the cost of another person's dignity or freedom or maybe even their life. And so I want to let God speak into this for a moment. This idea of following the desires of my heart, look what God says says in the book of Proverbs, guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. And so we are to guard our hearts. You could say it like this. You can follow the desires of your heart if your heart has been guarded. God acknowledges here that a person's heart, what's inside of you, those inner desires and feelings and motivations, that's what determines your action. Why must we, why must we guard our heart? Well, Look at what Jesus said about the heart of man here. The religious leaders of the day were arguing that certain fruit, eating certain food or eating with unwashed hands is what defiled a person. And Jesus did some teaching. He schooled them. Look what he says here. He says, it's what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, and this is a long list, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And you're like, wow, Jesus, you're beating us all up here. You're saying this is all inside of our hearts? He said all these things come from within and they are what defile you. And so you have to wrestle all this to the ground. If we simply follow the desires of our heart, then you see the list here Jesus gives. He says that evil thoughts come from the desire of your heart. That may be revenge, That may be so angry that you want to harm somebody. Also that sexual immorality and lust lives within inside of us because of the broken nature of our world. It lives in there. See, we live in a day where supposedly sexual immorality is, uh, it doesn't exist. 
But there's so much pain and brokenness and depression in our world because we've been taught that if we will just follow our sexual desires, then you'll be free. You'll be able to be your true self. What about adultery? Jesus said that, that adultery comes out of the, uh, the desires of a person's heart from within. And so adultery in our culture, we've kind of turned it into something to celebrate and be proud of. The day of celebrating a man or a woman who, a man and woman who have committed themselves to each other uh, over the long haul through all the difficult seasons of life. Listen, uh, that has become sort of a joke, but Jesus is saying here that it's actually wrong, that desire. The grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence, especially when you're not watering and fertilizing your own. I think Jesus knew it, that lustful desire and envy and slander and pride. It all resides in us, and here's the thing. We can get really good at putting on a front and letting everybody think that we're better than we are. We actually have to do this in a certain way. But when we sit alone with ourselves and God just kind of draws a circle around us and says, I want to deal with what's in you, most of us know this stuff resides in me. See, here's the reality. All of these things actually have a good side to them, but every good desire that God placed in the heart of people has been hijacked and distorted by sin. Sex is a good thing designed by God, but you know what sin does? It distorts sex and makes it into a God, and that's what we've seen in our culture. Instead of hearing what God says about sex and sexuality, we turn to immorality and lust, and we call that following our heart. I'm just doing what's true to me, and God's saying, hey, there's a better way. There's a way without as much pain. There's a way for you to truly be free, and this is not it. Desiring things is not evil, but when it turns to theft and murder and greed, as Jesus said here, that good desire has been hijacked and it can't be trusted. So, so what's the answer? What's the answer here? If, if, if it's dangerous to follow our hearts and if Jesus is so bent on the fact that you need to guard your heart because out of it come the controversies of life and, and there's sin and desires that are, what's the answer? You can find this concept throughout the teaching of Jesus, but in John chapter eight, Jesus gives us the answer. Here's what he says. He said to the people who believed in him, and that's important, we'll come back to that in a second. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Another way to say this, if you abide in my word and you will know the truth, and here's what he says, the truth will set you free. So let me lay this out in another way for you to look at it here. So he said that it's faith first. And I think a lot of people who have become followers of Jesus at some point, or maybe there was a time in your life where you felt convicted. You may have called it like the Holy Spirit, or you just felt after somebody preached a message, you felt a conviction in your heart, and you got this part right. You said, okay, Jesus, I believe in you. Uh, Every time we have someone gets baptized, we put our horse trough up here and we baptize them. Preceding that has been a, a, a place they came to in their life where they said, Jesus, I follow you, an expression of faith and a confession of Jesus as Lord. And so that's the belief part. But look what Jesus says. There were a lot of people who had believed in him, but obviously they hadn't taken this next step towards freedom. He says you have to obey his teaching. Abide in my word. Do what I say. Because see, belief in Jesus is one thing. Following Jesus is another thing, obeying. But here's what he says. When you begin to obey what you do know, then you will actually know the truth. And this is the way this is written in scripture here. You will know by experience. 
you will be convinced that Jesus is the truth as you obey. And then he says, the truth will set you free. You will be able to live a free life, free from the bondage of your heart. See, a lot of people are not enslaved outwardly. They're enslaved inwardly. Enslaved to all kinds of things on the inside, the addictions, the things that we feel like are fighting our demons on the inside. Listen, all those things that come at us we're actually living in bondage. Jesus said you can live free. Another way to say that is new life. There's new life in Jesus Christ. But belief that Jesus is talking about here, it's a belief that you realign your life around. And then you obey what Jesus says. And he says, then you're going to know the truth. Now, these seem backwards to me. It seems like Jesus should have put believe in me and then know the truth and then obey the truth. But he actually said, you're going to have to believe in me and then you're going to have to just start practicing what you do know. And as you practice what you do know, what will happen is you will begin to understand the truth of my word. You will know it. So let me go back to that common thought for a moment. The common thought is this. Freedom is found in following the desires of my heart. If I can just do what I feel in my heart. But can I tell you what Jesus' teaching says here? He says that freedom is found through obedience to truth. These two are at odds with one another. Now, you could say that obedience to truth, as you begin to follow Jesus, your, the, the desires of your heart change. Your heart is guarded by the Holy Spirit. And so you could even say that you will begin to desire to do what is right, to desire to live the truth. But it doesn't start by following our hearts. It starts by saying, God, you know best, and I want to follow your word. And so, Lord, here I am. It's obedience to truth that leads to freedom. A few weeks ago, we talked about this idea, uh, the fact that people of God or people who are in Christ, we have a greater identity that we receive when we become a child of God. And what that identity does is it allows us to become a new person, but you've got to decide to put your feet in that every day and say, God, I will be obedient. Obedience to truth is how we actually step into new life. When you submit your heart to Jesus, he gives you a new heart. There's a heart work that only God can do through the Holy Spirit. It's what he died on the cross to set us free. He has redeemed us and given us the ability to have a restored relationship with the Heavenly Father. But if we want to experience new life or freedom on earth, we've got to put it in our shoes every day and say, God, I'll hear what your word says. And even though I'm not feeling it some days, Lord, I will follow you. Do you know why I'm passionate about this? And I'm passionate about staying in this battle as, as, a, as your pastor and as a friend. I'm, I'm passionate as a, as a man, as a husband about staying in this battle because I always settle for less than God's best when I don't live according to his truth. Anytime the fleshly desires in my heart get in the driver's seat, I start settling for less than God's best and I look at you and I go, maybe that's you too. Do you feel like God has to have something more and better and bigger for you? Do you feel like you, you, you keep missing God's best for your life? Well, here's the thing. Go back to this idea, am I really living truth? So here's a question. How do you obey truth? What is truth? Where do you find it? Well, here's the short answer. The word of God, the scripture. I know uh, you may be watching this and you're skeptical of Christianity. And you go, you mean the Bible, like the scripture Bible? Come on, man, that's an old book. Here's the crazy thing, as a kid who grew up in church, I even had to wrestle the authenticity 
of the Bible down myself. I was taught to believe it, but then as I got, you know, 18, 19 years old, I started doubting. How could this ancient book, didn't people doctor it along the way? Didn't they take things out? Didn't we lose things? Surely through the translation we lost. Here's the crazy thing. The Bible is the most accurate book that has stood the test of time. It also correlates perfectly across the years that it was written. And so I would encourage you to study it, but here's where you're gonna land. I really feel like that this actually is God's word. There's something to this. That is where we find truth. So if you wanna take a look at some truth of God's word, you turn over to the book of Matthew in your Bible, chapters five, six, and seven, and here's all Jesus was talking about. Here's what it looks like to live an obedient life to the truth, to live an abundant life, to live a full life, the one that I created you for. Another way to say it, to live a free life in Christ. But he talks about this. He says that we shouldn't have unholy anger in Matthew chapter five towards anyone and don't call people idiots. And you know what? I still struggle. Still struggling with that one, Lord. Don't hold unforgiveness in your heart. Jesus talks so much about this. Don't ask God to forgive you of all you've done and then hold somebody else hostage. Keep your word, love your enemies and pray for those that use you and persecute you. Give and pray and fast in secret. And so the list goes on and on as Jesus said, hey, it's actually not that hard to obey the truth, but you've got to decide that you're going to put your feet in it. Next week when we launch this series, Anchor for My Soul through the book of Hebrews, you know what a lot of this book says? How do we actually put our faith in our shoes and live it out? How do we live as his church? Jesus summarized all truth, though. He actually said he kind of summarized the whole Bible in a couple of statements. Look what he said, Matthew 27. You really want to know what it looks like to be obedient to the truth. Here's the starting place for every believer. He says this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Let me translate. Love God with everything you are. Outside, love God with your health. Love God with your eyes. Love God with your mind. Love God with your emotions. Love God with everything. And then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. A second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so here's how Jesus summed up obedience to the truth. Love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. As we wrap this up, do you know this is sort of a call to the church those that call Jesus their Lord, that you say, you know, I'm a part of River Bend, or maybe you're watching from somewhere else, but you go, you know what, I'm a part of his church. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to give a call to you today. Love God and love Jesus. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love people as you love yourself. Because here's the thing, as we are obedient, freedom comes in our lives. It's crazy because the world can be caving in around us, but as we live in obedience, there's a peace, there's a wholeness, there's a soundness that comes within us that we can't get in any other way. And so as we pray for our city and our nation and our world, we can't just stop with prayers. We must pray, we must pray, but we can't just stop with prayers. We have to put it in our feet. There's an Old Testament promise God made to his people. Look at this, a very famous verse. Here's what God says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And so a lot of times we stop there. God, I'll humble myself. I'm gonna pray today and get on our knees and go, Jesus, I'm praying that you'll heal my family or you'll heal my city or we get, we get broken about something we see in our society, a social injustice, and we start praying. 
But here's what Jesus said. He said there's actually action required. There's obedience required. Even in this Old Testament promise uh, written to those Israelites who were following him in that day. He says, if you humble yourself and pray and seek my face and, look at this, turn from your wicked ways. He said you have to turn from desires of your heart that are wicked and you have to turn to obedience to truth. That's repentance. He said, turn from your wicked ways and then what? I'll hear, hear from heaven. I'll forgive sin and I will heal your land. Why? Why does the Lord work in this way? It's because of this. Freedom is found through obedience to the truth. Here's what I know. This idea sounds narrow and outdated, and and even for some in the church, it sounds that way. We've kind of lost our way, maybe. Do we really believe that God's word is truth and freedom? Do we really believe that it's obedience to his word that brings new life? We can lose our compassion for people. We can lose our desire and zeal for the Lord along the way. And so I'm taking this 4th of July weekend to talk about living free as a reminder to those who already have stepped into that freedom, but somewhere along the way, life has kind of beaten that love for God's word out of you. I beg you as your friend and your pastor today, just wake up tomorrow or even right now, get God's word out, grab grab the Bible app, get a reading plan, get in it with this mindset, Lord, show me what to do, show me how to live, because God, I wanna live free, Lord, show me how to live. Do you know, I wanna invite you today to do what I've had to do many times in my life. Say, I wish that in my own struggles and desires, that I could take you back to this one day where I said, you know what? God, I'm gonna be obedient from now on and nothing ever changed. I never looked back. Here's what I can say. There was a time in my life when I was about 24 years old where I fully committed my life to Jesus and I'm never going back on that. But as far as that wrestling match between actually being obedient and following the desires of my own heart that are sometimes wicked and evil, that has been the wrestling match of this guy's life all the time. And so how do, you, how do you win when you feel like you've been pulled away and all those struggles and those desires, how do you come back to the Lord? Or maybe for the first time, how do you come? Because here's what I feel like. Sometimes once you've fallen into a rut of disobedience in your life or you've fallen where you've kind of pushed God's word away from you and you're going, you know what? Uh, I don't want to deal with it anymore. But then there's a conviction. You go, sometimes I need, I need to come back. I need to lean back in. But the enemy will come right there. It's almost like on your shoulder and say, hey, it's not worth it. There's no way you could change overnight. Here's what I've had to do. There's a psalm that has spoken to me for years. And here's what it says. It says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, obedience to truth is just like this. It's not that you have to learn the whole Bible and do it all at once. Here's the deal. God just wants you to obey what you know. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And so if you're coming back to the Lord or coming back to obedience to his word and letting him just kind of work in your heart, it starts by taste and see the Lord is good. Once you taste obedience and the freedom that comes with it, listen, there is a confidence in a man or a woman of God who is living in obedience. Once you've tasted it, here's what I'm almost assured of. You will want more. And it's the same way for those maybe you watch and you like the church and you like what God's doing through Riverbend, but, but you're just not there yet. One of the, 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 the drawbacks may be, hey, I don't know if I want to go all in with this Jesus. You always talk about complete and full surrender, and I do. Stand right here and invite you all the time. Come on down, surrender to Jesus. But here's what I want to say. 
you don't have to have the biggest faith in the world to come to Jesus. You just got to have enough to start. Enough to come to him and taste and see. If you find yourself in a low place or you find yourself getting beat up again and you know addiction wants to come back and those, the evil that's within and the sins of the night and the things that pull you away and damage your marriage and damage your relationship with your kids, those things keep rising up in you over and over again. I'm not asking you to change all your life. I'm just saying come to Jesus and taste and see. Just give Jesus a shot. Come to him and say, Lord, I'm ready to be obedient in the best way that I know how. Pick one area of your life. See, you know where you need God. And his word speaks to that challenge that you have. Choose that area and say, God, I want to learn what you say. And then, Lord, I may not even completely understand it. I'm just going to obey it. Remember what Jesus said. And once you begin to obey truth, then you'll understand it. You will know it. And that leads to freedom. Just taste and see. Can I share this, something I felt a long time ago? Probably what kept me running from the Lord from about 13 years old to about 24 years old, 11 or 12 years of my life, I was on the run from God. And it was because I had the faulty understanding of what his word was. See, John, a very, very close friend of Jesus and disciple, here's what he says. He says, loving God means keeping his commandments. Now, I had no problem understanding that. If I really want to love God, then I got to do what God says. But I didn't get this next part. It says his commandments are not burdensome. Because when you see God as a checklist or you see God as a, as a God who's trying to hold you back from fun, then what will happen is you'll begin to feel like worship is burdensome. You'll begin to feel like coming to church is burdensome or serving or, or being a generous person in Jesus' name. Those are burdensome things. You'll begin to feel like God's trying to suck all the fun out of your life. But when you get this right view, loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome, John says, are not burdensome. Why are they not burdensome? It's because they actually lead you to life. Obedience leads you to freedom. As we obey the truth, we find freedom. Listen, I want you to live free today. I want you to live free. What area is it? Where the, where the Lord's convicting your heart, saying, you know you need to find freedom in this area. Let me tell you how you're gonna find that freedom. Find out what God says and then decide, I'm gonna put my feet in it right now. Lord, I don't even know if I feel like doing it, but God, I'm just gonna taste and see that you're good. I know your commandments are not burdensome because they're leading me to freedom. I'm not saying they're not difficult to follow. I'm not saying that people are not gonna look at you crazy because you go, hey, I follow this Jesus guy and I'm living like he said to live. I'm not saying that, I can't promise you that. What I can say is the blessing will be much greater than the burden. The blessing that will come to your life. So what area is it where you need the Lord where you need to just surrender to him right now? What's that area of obedience where you've been wrestling? Will you just tell the Lord right now, I'm ready to taste and see that you're good in that area, God? You may even right where you are, since you're not in church, nobody will see you. Just raise your hands up and say, God, I surrender that area to my life. I'm ready to be obedient. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, what a great weekend. Fourth of July weekend, not only do we celebrate freedom as a nation, but you can celebrate freedom and new life in Christ today. And here's all it takes. You just cry out to the Lord Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. I'm ready to align my life around your word. I'm ready to make you the Lord, in other words. Just tell him, I'm ready to make you the Lord. And listen, he accepts you. I wanna pray for you today. 
May we be the most obedient people. Every time God shows us something in his word, may we say, you know what? I'm going to do it. Because here's the thing. People will see the love of Jesus in you. They'll see the courage that you show to live differently than everybody else. They'll see just compassion that flows from your life. They'll see grace that flows from your life. But at the same time, they'll see backbone and steadfastness and ability and willingness to stand on truth. So no matter where you are in this journey today, listen, I want to pray for you. So Father, for everyone watching right now, whatever those areas of wrestle, God, I pray freedom in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray your people would be free. For those that you're calling by name today for the first time and you're calling them to obedience, calling them, Jesus, I pray they wouldn't push back. Lord, they would let their own desires go away and they'd put you in the center Father, I praise you for your church, Lord. I know we're in this struggle together and we're in this battle together. But God, today, I pray for every person who's wrestling with an area of truth in their life, an area of obedience. And Lord, today, they take a small step towards you and just taste and see that the Lord is good. Will you bless us, Father? I pray that as we move through the rest of this summer, God, that you would let this be just the most freeing time in our lives, God, that we would get freed up from the bondages and addictions from the past, from the tendencies that we have, Lord, that we would just keep getting back up and putting your, your truth in front of us, your word in front of us every day, Father. We need your help. Will you bless your church today? In Jesus' name, amen. Remember this, you matter. I hope you have an amazing weekend, and we will see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.